Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake hole. And today we are going to be discussing the season four finale. So season four, episode 22, Lucifer Rising. We are joined by very special guest, Naomi. Hello. Returning. I'm back. <laughs> very excited to have you here for the episode. So, guys, what did you think? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it out there. Watching this episode made me think that maybe someone when they were on like writer's strike just read like good omens and they were like, oh you know what we should do? We should have both the angels and the demons both gunning for a war. And I know what you're thinking, and you're thinking, Jamie, you said this would be really interesting, and you would be incorrect. What I said would be interesting would be if the demons wanted to maintain the status quo and were like, quote unquote, the good guys, and the angels were the bad guys. No, they've just made both of them the bad guys. Okay. Which is different. Okay, but I still would argue that it's interesting that they had the angels also gunning for the war. Because they framed it the whole season as if the angels were the good guys. And if you're paying enough attention, you can tell that that is incorrect. You can see it. You can guess it. You can figure it out. It's just, this is where we get the reveal that, yes, that is the case. So I would still argue it is interesting. It's just not interesting in the way that you were hoping. Yeah. Which is fair. Other thoughts. What do we, how do we want to go about this? Well, I kind of took notes in order. I love that. So, we <laughs> also take notes in order, but it's, we never go in order. That's the key. Yeah, it's been a while. I don't know how you guys structure or not structure this. <laughs> I just want to say the thing I found really funny was that Ruby obviously has watched High School Musical. <laughs> It's canon. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of love that. That means that High School Musical exists in the supernatural universe. Would you like to explain why? Uh, <laughs> Rather than just saying she's that, seen it. I can't remember what she said. I I'm pretty sure you name, laughed at it because I only wrote in my note, Ruby watched High School Musical confirmed, <laughs> and I forgot what she actually said. I'm assuming it's when she says, get your head no, in the yeah, game. Yeah, get your head in the game. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, cats. Because, <laughs> because I wrote, Sam, you got your head in the game? And then I wrote, his head's in the game, but his heart's in the song, Elevate. <laughs> I feel like this episode was just like Sam and Dean both kind of looking out into the distance, like in thought yes because like it starts off with sam just like looking into the distance with his like frown face (laughs) and then like it switches to dean looking out the window and i'm like wow look at these guys they're just like thinking really hard (laughs) just two characters experiencing executive dysfunction (laughs) (laughs) they're like i hate my brother It is very melodramatic. Yeah, they're so dramatic. I love it. And then Bobby's like, you're stopping a dramatic little bitch. Like, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Bobby has no leg to stand on in this episode. He literally, I think it's actually, it's a fucking quote, family's supposed to make you miserable. Yeah. That's actually quite accurate. <laughs> <laughs> bitch, that's not how family works. It's you, not? <laughs> you've been a good, he's been a proponent all season, like for the last four seasons or whatever of mm-hmm. like family don't end in blood like family is like a what you choose family to be mm-hmm. and then he's like oh so you should choose family to make you miserable <laughs> bobby the fuck bro yeah i also find it interesting obviously i only watched the last episode of the season so i've forgotten everything that happens <laughs> but i find Death it interesting Jordan. yeah you've watched <laughs> two episodes and it's yeah. been the two episodes you've spoken about with yeah, us <laughs> literally and I just find it interesting that Dean is just like, I'm sad. I'm giving up on Sam. Like, we're done. We're over. Like, 
He and says then, the same thing to Cass. He's like, we're done. And then he looks behind him all sad, like, oh my god, he left me. <laughs> I, I thought he would fight for us. He's gone. You're so right. Yeah. So here's the thing about Bobby. So obviously Dean is like having this like moment and, you know, Bobby's like trying to talk him around and he's like, he's my blood. Is that what you were going to say? And I was like, damn. All right. We're taking some real literal interpretations here, baby boy. And then he says, I tried. And Bobby's like, so try again. And I'm like, wow, Bobby is like really leaning into this passive aggression and I'm obsessed with it. I love that for him. And then Dean does the whole, like, Sam never wanted a part of the family, hated it growing up, run away first chance he got. And like, we'll get more information about that later down the track. But I think it's basically just highlighting like Dean's anxiety surrounding abandonment, which is like not unfair. Ah, I wonder why this dude who had his father leave him for weeks as a time at a child has abandonment issues. It's a mystery. (laughs) Wonder where they could stem from. Literally. Then he says, I'm not even sure if he's still my brother, if he ever was. And that's when Bobby loses his shit. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, Bobby, tell him he's stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Like, he needs a reality check. Yeah, like, what kind of line is that? Like, oh, he never was my brother. I'm like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Mary fucked his Azel. Like... (laughs) (laughs) Confirmed. (laughs) Dean's like, I did an ancestry test, Bobby, and guess what? Also, I love Bobby just... Like, having a fucking fit. It's like, I'm going to shove all this paper up the gut. Like, do you think after, like, did Dean or Bobby, like, well, Dean wouldn't have picked it up because he went to the... He went to the, the, the room. beautiful room. Yeah. Oh my so God. did Bobby have to sit there picking up all the paper that he threw up the table? Dean's been kidnapped by the angels and Bobby's like, well, I guess I'll clean my office. <laughs> Wait, no, Bob goes janitor. We Bob haven't had Bob Ghost Janitor for so long. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> I don't think this return. qualifies as his job though, because it's not supernatural. Oh, I guess it is. Like, because it's Bobby. just Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> Being a dramatic bitch. <laughs> that is such a funny concept Wait, though. What if Bob Ghost Janitor is Bobby's cleaning persona? Oh, okay. Like, he just kicks him. <laughs> but also, Bobby's house is really messy, so that doesn't make any sense. I, here's the thing, though. Bobby's house is, like, organised mess. It's, like, organised oh, chaos. He knows yeah. where everything is. It's just that everyone else is like, wow, this this place is a bit a bit cluttered. Just a tad. Just a tad. But I just really hope those papers were in any kind of order. Okay. Before we get off this topic, though, I do want to talk about Jensen's facial journey when yeah. Bobby says... Oh, boo-hoo, I'm so sorry your feelings are hurt, princess. I'm like, Bobby, let's not gender emotions, first note. But second of all, the jacting choices were impeccable. The uh, jacting? Yeah. <laughs> I think You've got to learn the terminology, <laughs> Naomi. You J on everything. Yeah, that's how it works. They're not acting choices, they're jacting, jacting choices. choices. <laughs> okay. And it's just the easiest way to refer to something that's a Jensen Ackles decision. You just change mm-hmm. the first letter to J. Mm-hmm. What if you can't? What if the first letter is already a J? We've never Jejecting. run into that. <laughs> We've never run into that issue before. I can't think of any words that start with J. <laughs> I've seen people come across the issues of being of gender yeah. because gender oh. is pronounced like a J, but yeah. I've never, yeah, I've never had any other. That's because he's a JB gel. Oh what? <laughs> The cogs were <laughs> baby girl in oh. Jamie Joe. Yeah. Naomi's like, wow, I remember why I haven't been here in weeks. <laughs> Actively avoided this room. I think Jamie um, has slipped down the slippery slope of um, insanity. <laughs> Since I've been here, you've become a lot worse. So. 
By the time you get to season 15, I Every single word in her sentence is going to start with a letter J. <laughs> I do also want to touch on the part of this scene where Bobby says, you sound like a whiny brat. No, you sound like your dad. <laughs> and he's like, your dad was a coward. He'd rather push Sam away than reach out to him. You are a better man than your daddy ever was, which weird use of daddy. Do us both a favor. Don't be him. And mm. I love it. Yeah. I just want to point out the zooms in this scene. <laughs> they, they, uh, yeah. They were ma- really making choices out in this one. A lot of close up of like their emotional journeys, like on their faces. <laughs> like It feels know. like they almost didn't have faith that the actors could do their job. So they were like, oh, we got to zoom in here. Mm-hmm. Really got to highlight it. Like We've got to find them jacking choices yeah. if it kills us. Yeah. <laughs> While we're talking about shot choices, Mm -hmm. I do want to talk about the one shot choice in this episode that feels very fucking pointed. Okay. I'm pretty sure Zachariah says something along the lines of, because you swore your obedience, so I bay to Dean. And then they fucking cut to Cass. A Cass POV. (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) I'm like, it, I realize that this podcast is not visual. (laughs) You cannot see my my facial expression there. You can't see Jamie's jacting. They're like, okay, we're going to talk about obedience and swearing allegiance and therefore that being the reason that you should obey. Uh-huh. And then they're going to cut to Cass. Uh-huh. I would love to know your jorts on this. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work because jorts is just short for jean shorts. <laughs> I would love to know your thoughts on this. I feel like, like, I understand that, like, for anyone who's just, like, casually watching this, like, that's a very subtle way to indicate, like, what's going to happen at the end of the episode, yeah. which is... Cass is going to disobey. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand that. But for someone who's actually watching it and, like, taking notes, it feels so fucking pointed. Yeah. And, like, I understand that that's, like, a dichotomy that not a lot of people have. Because, like, if you're just watching this show, it's just the show. Like... You're not, yeah. you're not gonna imagine that being you for no. a moment. Imagine just perceiving Supernatural and not being weird imagine about it. Imagine just turning the TV on and watching an episode of Supernatural. Crazy. As it airs in what? What season is this? Five, six, seven, eight. 2009. Yeah. What was that? Uh, I think Twilight New Moon was coming out. So. <laughs> I love that that is your measure of time. <laughs> I mean, given what we learned about her Edward Cullen poster, it's... I I actually have a point about Twilight in my notes, so it's really Well, maybe, maybe we'll let Jamie finish yeah, and we'll absolutely. go straight into that. Yeah. But, like, so yeah, I understand that, like, for, like, the average casual viewer, this is, like, nothing. And, like, for someone who's watching it a little bit more intently, it's, like, when you are watching it, in, like, intentionally, it feels very pointed. Like, it's, it's very much, like, not subtle. But it's also, like, incredibly subtle. Like, and I know that. I know that I'm just being, like insane about the tv show supernatural because i have a podcast about it <laughs> yeah you know what i mean i know no one else is thinking this deeply about it mm. here's the thing well, maybe you're insane because you like it don't look at me like that <laughs> <laughs> you have just... you listened to any of the podcasts no no i haven't jamie because <laughs> i hear you <laughs> she doesn't need the podcast she gets the live version yeah <laughs> I get the unedited version. If you would listen to anything that I've ever said about Supernatural, (laughs) you would know that I do not like Supernatural. Um, okay, it doesn't matter what you say, it matters, like... It's about the subtext? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And just the uncoded. Oh, I'm loving that. Why be just, like, de-encoded or cast-coded when you can be Destiel coded? (laughs) New Jamie unlocked. (laughs) Here's the thing about that. It's one of the things that I love is that we... This is not the first instance where, like, 
we've had a cast POV reaction shot. Yeah, the last one was fucking heaven and hell or whatever, mm-hmm. where they did the ex-boyfriend live reaction shot. Yeah, like, like live slug reaction, but it's... <laughs> they should just make the live slug reaction meme, but it's like that shot of Castiel. Oh, good lord, yes. I Here's the thing. You just know that's going to be making that meme after this. <laughs> I just think it's really interesting because we get so many shots on Cass as we're talking about stuff. Like, we get a shot of Cass like this whenever the angels say something that is like Cass didn't like that you know we get it a lot in like the great pumpkin sam winchester we get it in heaven and hell and we now get it in this episode and i'm sure there are other instances that i'm just not thinking of right this second but it is really interesting that yeah every time the angels say something we get a shot of Cass, and he's either like looking away or he like straightens his posture or like whatever Because it's like, Cass didn't like that. And what's really great about this episode is that Zach says that to Dean. And Dean looks at Cass because he knows that Cass didn't like that. Like, he knows. Because it's not just the audience picking up on this pattern. It's Dean picking up on this pattern. I would argue that a lot of those POV shots we get of Cass, it's Dean's POV. Like, it's Dean's eyesight. And we see it as the audience every single time Cass reacts to something that he didn't like. It's indicating where Dean's focus is, which is fucking <laughs> fascinating if you frame it like that with the Cass fucking X reaction shot. Yes, yes. Look, it's all coming together. <laughs> <laughs> We're connecting the dots. We're connecting the fucking dots. Oh, anyway, you have to make about Twilight. Uh, <laughs> So every time I watch that scene where Dean punches Cass and, oh, like, and he Cass's just... face is like super like rock hard apparently. Um, <laughs> and Dean's like, ow. Which yeah. I actually don't understand because like... The human Cass's, body is still a human body. He's like, having like a body. Like, like obviously Cass a... isn't going to feel it, whatever. Yeah. But, like it shouldn't hurt more than punching yeah. a normal human being should. Like, it's still a normal human body. Like, I don't understand. Anyway, Unless so, having an angel inside a body changes the metaphysical properties. Maybe. What is the melting point of an angel? <laughs> <laughs> but, like... Okay, so, like, Dean punches Kaz. Uh-huh. And, like, he's like, ow, in my hand. We also get a sound effect, which is, like, metal. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's right? hilarious to me. Um, and it just always reminds me of in Twilight New Moon, when Bella gets really pissy at Jacob and hits him. And, and breaks then her hand. she breaks her head. It's the same scene. <laughs> So right. And didn't I just say Twilight New Moon came yes. out? Yes. <laughs> so they read Good Omens and then watched Twilight New Moon yeah. and they were like, I've got a great idea, you guys. Dean even, well, it's not actually Dean, but like in the voicemail that Sam hears, he gets called a vampire. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> the translation on that voicemail is really something else. Oh my god, we are going to talk about that. Not right now, yes. because I have a point on this that yeah. I want to talk So. The thing that makes me insane about that thing where Dean punches Cass and, like, he hurts his hand or whatever and it, like, does not phase Cass at fucking all is, like, a couple minutes later when they're having this argument, Cass turns away from Dean because he's like, I don't want to look at my problems. He's, like, out of sight, out of mind. And Dean grabs his shoulder and pulls him back around. And we know, because he just got punched in the face and didn't react at all, that Cass Mm -hmm. does not have to let Dean do that. He is literally letting Dean manhandle him. Like, he is letting himself be persuaded. Because Dean does not have the physical strength to do that. And if Cass did not want to move, if Cass did not want to be swayed, did not want to look at Dean to hear his point, then he would not have. He would have Mm. either vanished, or he would have just not let Dean pull him around. 
How buff is Cass actually? How buff is anyone actually at this point? <laughs> the real question is, how buff is Misha Collins? <laughs> <laughs> Look, how buff is Sam actually is like reoccurring thing. Mm-hmm. But like, how buff is Cass actually? Yeah. How buff is Jimmy actually? Good actually, yeah. How buff is Jimmy? But also, Jimmy could put his hand in a pot of boiling water. Yeah. So... But that's like Cass protected. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> we're also deep in thought we just went into the executive dysfunction that we were laughing at the three of them for having stare solemnly out a window mm-hmm. except for in our case it's stare solemnly at a microphone we're staring so- it's like we're just all looking between each other but like, it's like that, that intellectual thought with the lady and the, the- oh the maths yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay I wanted to talk about Cass being manhandled but Jamie you were going to yes. make a point about Sampire Oh, I was just saying, like, the, the translation of that voicemail is really something else. You know yes. what it reminded me of? It mm-hmm. reminded me in the Iceman job of Leverage, mm-hmm. where Elliot walks up and he's like, tell him I'm going to, like, if we get out of this alive, I'm going to kill him. And mm-hmm. then Nate just goes, he yep. says hi. hi. Yeah. It's just the opposite it's of that. It's just the reverse. Like, yeah. Okay. Here's the thing about that scene. That voicemail, and it's like a minor spoiler, but it's not. I'm assuming it never gets addressed. No. Sam never knows what Dean says. Oh, does he not check the second voicemail? There is no oh, second voicemail. No, so basically, oh, because of the Dean rings and Dean right. <laughs> coverage. Yeah. <laughs> and like, here's, here's the thing, because like Dean rings and Dean's presumably somewhere in heaven or like some other plane of existence. I'm assuming he's not on Earth anymore. Well, like he's they, outside of his coverage zone. They're, they're not on Earth because Earth would be dangerous because they're about to start a massive fucking war. So I'm assuming that basically what happened is like they let Dean record the voicemail, but then they, that whatever that was, that was completely erased, deleted. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, this is a great idea. We can drive Sam further off the edge yeah. by this is the making it point. sound like Dean has fully like... Cut him out. Cut him out. Like, white, washed his hands of him, decided, no, nah, that's... Put it in the too hard basket. You've gone into the category of things I can't sil- say, Six. therefore I have to kill. Yeah. Yeah. You know my fanfic that I have that you can't read yeah. because it's spoilery? Where it's like, they watch the show and, like, whatever. This is why I started that fic. This scene. Because I was like, Sam needs to hear that voicemail. And also, Dean needs to hear that voicemail. Because neither of them fucking know what the voicemail was. Like, because, yeah, like, Dean knows what he said yeah. and Sam knows what he, he heard, heard, but they are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so Sam, from this point on, exists the rest of this fucking show thinking that Dean said that stuff. And, like, Dean goes the rest of the show assuming Sam heard the thing that he actually said. And so you're writing mm-hmm. a fic about this. You haven't reached this point yet, though, have you? No. Because so I you wrote an entire fic and then you never got to the point that you actually wanted to look, write. It's not it's not abandoned. I just started running three different podcasts and then I had a different outlet. So so look, I'll maybe come back to it at some point. Eventually. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. Well, you know what else they could have done? Is they could have just talked to each other. No, that's really, really unrealistic. I know, it's really out of character for if, them. But... Yeah, I was just going to say, if they did that, that'd be OOC. Like, yeah. <laughs> we would have criticised it. If they yeah. actually communicated, this show probably yeah. would have ended at five seasons. <laughs> Which, okay, I have, I have thoughts. So, okay. I have a new prediction. 
Oh, okay. Because this episode did give us stuff to predict on, which yes. is fun. It gave us a little bit of closure, gave us a little bit more stuff to predict on. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't mind it. It didn't feel like, like, it felt like we got payoff. Uh-huh. But it also felt like it wasn't just, like, closing the... It's still open-ended. Yes. And I don't remember if I said this to you in the recording for last week or if it's like I told you afterwards, but I will just reinstate it here in case. But, like, the season four finale is very much setting up season yes. five. And I actually think it was one of the... Of the... This is the fourth season finale of Watch uh-huh. Supernatural. I would argue that's maybe the best one so far. Yeah. Like, it's definitely the strongest in terms of, like, actually giving us, like, plot answers mm-hmm. while also not completely screwing over the next season. Like, it, yeah. it sets up enough while also giving you closure on enough that it's, like, I it's think a it's nice quite satisfying. It doesn't feel like you're just slogging through a whole bunch of, like, stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, I have a theory about how season five's going to end. Oh, love because that. Dean essentially gets the proposal that when they win the war, he will be rewarded with like peace, and with like peace and utopia. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I would argue, I would argue that the logically the way that it's going is sort of that like inevitability of like the angels are going to win, Dean's going to win, and Dean's going to be rewarded, mm-hmm. and the reward for Dean will be being able to reform the world as it was. Okay. Like, so that's what he's going to choose for his reward. Mm-hmm. That the world sort of goes back to what it is. The status that's, quo. That's sort of going to be, at the end of the day, how it ends. And so, like, the ending will be very bittersweet because, like, maybe he can reform the world and everything but, like, Sam. Okay. So, like, mm-hmm. Sam's dead at the end of the fifth season and then Dean's reformed the world and he's, like, created a life for himself that's, like, the white picket fence or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, it's hollow and fake it's because, it's, because it's not... Not actually what he wants. It's what he thinks he should want. It's like the best they could do, but it's still sort of hollow because he he's lost so much. Like yeah, he's yeah. no longer the same person. Like it's yeah. yeah. So his last remaining by blood family member would be dead, and like Dean's whole thing is a family. Yeah. So without having and Sam... like he gets a family, quote unquote, but it's not his family. Okay. It's sort of the family that he's forced to have because he has no other options. Okay. Like, Interesting. Like, he gets peace or whatever and happiness to an extent. Okay. But he doesn't just have, like, free reign to do whatever the fuck he wants. Kind of like yeah. the medium place from yeah. the good place? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, like, he gets the illusion of contentment, but it's... Absent of the actual contentment. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, off. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's nothing to make fun of with that prediction. It's, like, just a legitimate prediction. Yeah. No. Okay, cool. <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, don't apologize. Okay. So... So you just mentioned, obviously, like, Naomi and I can't comment on yeah, season five obviously. stuff. So we'll we'll leave that for now and we'll come back to it as, you know, yeah, we, we actually watched, get into season five. We just, for a little bit of, like, behind the scenes, mm. we just recorded the first episode of the third season of Leverage, which was basically me sitting here going, yeah, I can't tell you anything <laughs> about that. Yeah. So, like, fair's fair, like, you know, yeah. tit for tat, equal, yeah. equal opportunities. Well, what I was going to say to that... Obviously, no spoilers. But I, my interpretation of Zachariah talking to yes. Dean is that Dean doesn't believe him. Mm. Oh, this is the bit I want to talk about. So in the, do they call it the green room or the beautiful the green room? room. So fandom it, calls it the beautiful room. Mm. The angels refer to it as a green room. I actually think, having rewatched the episode today, that we should collectively rename it the gaslighting room. Yeah. Because of the disappearing door and the yeah. re- like, and the self-fixing wall yeah. and just the general gatekeep gaslight girl boss. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> to be clear, Cass is the girl boss. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Yes, Zachariah yeah. is 
gatekeep. And the room is gaslight. <laughs> and so that's deep. Yeah. Absolutely. Because he's not being gaslit. Yes. So <laughs> it, it could be either the green room, the beautiful room, or the gaslighting room, whichever way you would yeah. like to. <laughs> They're like all inter- interchangeable net terms. Cool. So basically when I was watching it, I was like, wow, look at all this pretty art on the walls. I wonder how much it costs them to um, put them up. And then I was like, hmm, I wonder if they had to pay for the rights to use this art. And then I was like, well, if they had to pay for the rights to use the art, shouldn't they have picked some art that actually meant something? And then I was like, wow, maybe I should look into that. And so I did. And she's trying to tell, like, say that I've got the brain. Like, well, I just you really said like you the art. Okay, look, sometimes... I'm like, yeah, well, there's this shot, and maybe we should think a little bit about that. You're like, I'm going to do external research about the selection of art. Maybe you borrowed art books from the university. <laughs> Naomi has wonderfully prepared a visual component to the auditory yes. only podcast. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is either I will make the slides into a Tumblr post or I might put a link in our episode description box that you can follow so that you can have a look at the images that she's selected and her dot points and things and follow along with us at home. Honestly, this is way more prepared than we ever are. Yeah, this is this is more organization than has ever gone into an episode mm. of our podcast. Oh before. wow. I love this is that. also the most preparation. This is why I wanted to come. I <laughs> I maybe we won't phrase it like that. <laughs> I'll do the episode. <laughs> I don't think that helped. <laughs> to talk <laughs> about the art. Yeah. Usually what happens is I have notes in my notes that say Google this before the episode. I even actually have a note about that wow. right now. And did I you did Google not. before the episode? No. Yeah. I was about to Google into and I didn't end up doing it because I was really lazy last night. And I was like, oh, I'm doing this all last minute. But I was going to look into the Protestant church. And then I thought, <laughs> nah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look up Protestant Reformation. And you just didn't. Nah, All right, well there you go. If anyone's looking for any more reading, yeah, suggested recommended you know, reading. You know what's funny? Two of these paintings, they are from like the Rococo period, mm-hmm. and the Rococo period is like the slut era. <laughs> Basically, a lot of rich people were like, "Hmm, I want porn in my house," and then they paint. A lot of nude women, and it's all very like highly sensual, sexual, like flirty kind of vibes. Okay. So in the scene where Zachariah is talking to Dean, so there's like two paintings behind them, and then then in the middle there's like a pastoral kind of landscape scene. Mm-hmm. Those two paintings on either side are like the Rococo uh, period paintings. I'm um, sorry, not to derail your point, yeah. but you've just said basically that they wanted porn in their home, so they painted naked ladies. I'm just getting vivid flashbacks like three hours ago when you said you wanted a picture of a naked lady <laughs> above your couch. Look, I... <laughs> not to shade you directly or anything, but like also... I also think they're really pretty paintings. It would um, just, she just wants to fill the space. Yeah, I'm just trying to fill so the space. So you're in a slut era, is that what I'm getting I'm right? always in my slut era. <laughs> what was it last time? Oh, you need a, all you need is a leather jacket and a pixie cut and they're all yeah. golden. <laughs> yeah. I can help with one of those two things. <laughs> I don't know if you're offering to cut her hair or to lend her your leather jacket. It could be either, but you're only implying you'll do one of the two. <laughs> Basically, they're standing in front of these paintings and this is the painting... 
if you can Is this slide one? Are we going in order? Uh, I, I mean, I kind of skipped over one slide. Let me talk about the first painting that you see. <laughs> and this is... This is the most structure we've ever had. No. Quote, us. I told I you mean, guys. I mean, it is the most structure we've ever had, but it's also... Still our podcast. Still our podcast. <laughs> But she's like, yes, I come prepared with slides. I'm like, that's great. But we're going to look at them out of order. But we're going to look at them out of order. It's exactly our podcast. We're like, we have all these notes in order. Let's not follow the order let's at all. Let's talk about no. them willy-nilly. Yeah. yeah. I'm not very good at coherency. That's it. Let's, let's, for the sake of anyone trying to follow along at home, maybe let's yeah, talk about it Okay, so the first painting you see is this, is called Landscape of the Nymphagiria Morning Over Numa. Don't ask me who Numa is. <laughs> I can't remember. Some guy who died. Anyway. <laughs> He's dead. Why do we care? Moving straight on past that. Yeah. Anyway. So, Agira is basically associated with, like, prophecy and wisdom, which kind of ties into the whole thing of, like, Sam and Dean have these roles that they have to play that Heaven's like, you know, do this shit. And then the next one you see is this painting that's from, like, the Rococo period. Of Dean looking at the blind man's bluff. Oh, the name is Dean? No, Dean is looking at it. Oh, okay. Yes, it's called Blind Man's Bluff. And it is, like, super, like, flirty and, like, kind of kinky. Also, it's funny because, like, all the lighting in this whole, like, first half of the thing is all very kind of the same colours. Like, it's all very pinks and normal colours until they take away all the colour and make it sad again. Um... (laughs) That's when Sam's on screen. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, for this like first half, it's all very colourful and nice, and I really like it. It's very aesthetic. Anyway, that's not the point I was trying to make. So. <laughs> this, wow, this is so on brand for the podcast. <laughs> basically, the painting is of this lady, and she has this blindfold on, mm-hmm. and she's walking towards like I don't know if it's a like bluff. the edge. I guess so. It kind of looks like a step or a ledge or something, and it looks very like kind of. I don't know, a little bit kinky. Um, <laughs> That's an interesting way of describing that photo. <laughs> oh, okay. It's like, probably not the term I would use. I would use it because she's blindfolded. He's kind of like, you know, he's got his hand next to her face and he's behind her. And, you know, I just feel like they're in some kind of kinky, like, I think the person play. lying on the ground looks more kinky than anything. Oh, yeah. That's like a... I didn't even notice that. <laughs> A little baby gremlin or something. So she's got this blindfold on, right? And it's kind of, when you look at it, you're like, oh no, she's going to fall. What's going to happen? But if you look closer, her blindfold is actually kind of lifted up so she can see out from under it. Like she's looking out from under the blindfold. She's cheating. So she, yeah. That's how I used to play Pinatel on the donkey when I was a child. You little cheat. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) That's not what you're meant to do. I know that. I think I did that too, though. Call me out when you're just as bad. Actually, off topic, but when I went to school, I remember in year nine, they made us put blindfolds on as like a trust exercise. Oh my god, yes. And walk around the school, and we had like steps, mm. like a lot of steps, and we could have died. And they're like, yeah, yeah, just go with your buddy, your buddy will make sure you don't die and you don't fall down steps. 13 year olds are notorious for being responsible and safety. I know. I was like, I can't walk down these steps without killing myself anyway. And I don't have a blindfold on in my day to day. So, yeah. (laughs) Now that I'm thinking about it, that was a really big health safety. That's kind of what I felt like in 
<laughs> Naomi's discovering things about herself yeah, through the lens of supernatural. Art. Yeah. So basically, yeah, she's looking out from under the black hole. Basically, when Dean walks into the room, mm-hmm. it's one of the paintings that he very pointedly like looks at and inspects. And you've got this whole theme of like Zachariah is like trying to manipulate Dean with like food and beer and he's pulling the wool over his eyes. Yeah. And Dean's kinda like, um, I can see through your bullshit. It's also the illusion of like pretending to trust without actually trusting. Yeah. Because you're peeking under the blindfold. Like you Mm -hmm. don't trust them. You're trying to get your own information about the situation. Yeah. And not just let them lead you where they want to lead. But he's not gonna let them know that he knows more than they're letting on. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. because they kinda think he's stupid to be honest. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Mm. And then you have this other painting, which is another landscape. It's a landscape with Apollo and Mercury. And basically, the painting has Apollo in the foreground, and he's all sad because he's playing pipes. And that and is symbolic of being sad. No, I don't know. He's like <laughs> mourning the, the loss of his like love or something. Okay. And then you've got Mercury in the background stealing his cattle. <laughs> Way to kick a guy when he's down. So, yeah. So you can see him in the background. He's like leading away all of his cattle. In my opinion, I think it's like Zachariah like trying to distract Dean and like deceive him. And like that's like one of the things that they like keep touching on is like Zachariah's attempts to like deceive or like yeah or like seduce him. I guess. Mm. Not, like, sexually, but, like... (laughs) Well, actually, that's a really good point. Like, and seduction doesn't have to be sexual in nature. Often that's the connotation, but it doesn't have to be. And I do think it's interesting because the other time we've seen Zachariah really play with Dean's head was in It's a Wonderful Life. And he presents him, like, this life where Dean isn't a hunter. He is, you know, a CEO of, like, whatever. Not a CEO, but he's, like, a high-functioning person in a corporate environment. And, like... That concept of of stability and having a a close-knit family and an education and, like, these things. Even in this episode, we mentioned earlier that he sort of tried to win him over with this concept of an eventual utopia. So, yeah, yeah, um, it is interesting. Yeah. And then you've got... There's a scene where, basically, when Zachariah is talking to Dean, they're standing in front of the swing, and then there's another painting. Oh, yeah. So the the swing and the blind man's bluff, they're like standing in front of it and that's when they're like talking. So Dean is in front of the blind man's bluff mm. and Zachariah is then in front of the swing. Okay. So it's kind of like Dean is like on this side of like, I know what's happening. Yeah. And the swing is very like a seductive kind of painting. Oh, okay. Um, is that the one that's in Frozen? Yes, it's in Frozen. <laughs> Oh, do you know what's so funny is that Naomi hasn't shown us the image, but I know exactly which yeah. one you're talking about. Yeah. This yeah. One. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's in it's in Frozen. I did a little bit of research onto like this painting and sorry, just yeah. on the fact that it's in Frozen, it's also when Anna is singing about her perfect idea of what it would be like yeah. if the gates were open. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh so... damn, look at this art history knowledge becoming right? relevant in media <laughs> analysis. Who would have known? Yeah. <laughs> um so like I did a bit of research onto like what this painting actually means. Uh-huh. Because you've got like three main things. Like the first thing you're kinda of looking at is like this woman on the swing and she's painted like in all these like pink bright colours. Uh-huh. And then the men in the there's like two men in the painting that are like darker 
I'm sorry, but are you trying to tell me that Dean's the girl on the swing? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. We'll get to that. So you've got this guy in the background, and he's kind of assumed to be her husband. And he's pulling the strings that, like, make the swing go backwards and forwards. Make it swing. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got a guy, like, lying down in the bushes, and he's, like, looking up her skirt. Um, It's supernatural back at it again with the misogyny button, like... (laughs) Literally! So, from memory, this, like, painting was commissioned for someone who wanted to, like... I think they wanted to allude to an affair, so that's why it was painted, but, um... Interesting choice! Yeah. Mm. So, hang on, so are we assuming that the looking up of the skirt is consensual in this instance? I think so, because... Interesting. She's kind of looking down at him, and she's not really caring... Oh, so she's, like, flirting. Yeah. It's very flirty. Interesting. So is the person yeah. in the bushes cats? <laughs> <laughs> and then the husband in the background, Zachariah. So, oh my god, yes, because Zachariah thinks he's pulling the strings, That's, thinks he's yeah. in control. That's what I was going to say. Oh my god. Like, <laughs> Zachari- <laughs> yeah, Zachariah thinks that, like, he has control of Dean, but... Cass is looking up his skirts. But, yeah, in, in this painting, if you're thinking about, like, when this was actually painted, the woman is, like, very... Like, she's showing her ankles in this. <laughs> like, she does not care about, like, societal norms. Yeah. And she's, like, not conforming. Whereas, yeah, I guess Zachariah is in the background. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm in control. But yeah, pulling the strings. Dean is kind of doing what he wants. Yeah, and Cass is into it. If you think, like, Zachariah is in the background pulling the strings, he's unaware of what's happening in, in, the, the, in the front. Actually, exactly like when he is talking to Dean and he's saying, you swore your obedience, so obey. And Dean is looking at Cass, not at Zach. And Zach can't see Cass's little shifty look away because he's behind him. Oh my God. And what's really interesting is if you look in the painting, there's actually these angel like cherub statues. Oh yeah. And there's this one on the left hand side that's like, He's got his, like, finger up to his lips like he's keeping a secret. Oh. And he's looking at the girl on the swing. Crazy. Yeah. So that's cool. And then from there, you get the sad colour change. When Zachariah kind of, like, reveals to Dean that, you know, like, we are going to do whatever the fuck we want. You lose the illusion of the blindfold. Yeah. But also... It's not even just the blindfold that Dean knew was there. It was like a secondary blindfold. Mm. So, yeah, you lose both the layers. Yeah. And so, like, the filter changes back to, like, supernatural-esque. Desaturated. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, wow. And then all the paintings in the room change to demons. Yeah. So the first one you've got, so when the one that Zachariah is behind, so when he's, like, telling Dean of the plan. Do you mean it's behind Zachariah? Yeah, yeah. Is behind Zachariah. So Zachariah stands up and you see this other painting where Dean basically asks Zachariah, you know, what what about your plan? Like, what about all the people? Mm-hmm. Like, what's going to happen to them? And Zachariah is basically like, I don't really care. The painting behind Zachariah is called um, The Damned Cast Into Hell. And at the bottom half of the painting, you've got all of these, like this picture of all these sinners down the bottom who are being tortured by demons. And then at the top, you've got, like, heavenly figures just kind of standing there, like, watching it happen. So not actually stopping any of it. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, yeah, the angels look, like, they're just vibing. Yeah, they're just kind of like, I don't really care. Like, they're so, they're not really involved in the situation. Yeah. And then, basically, from there, you've got the painting that they probably touch on the most. 
which is like in between Zachariah and Dean when Zachariah is like your job is to stop Lucifer mm-hmm. and it's called Archangel Saint Michael killing the dragon mm-hmm. and in that time like dragons basically represent Lucifer basically it's just like a constant reminder of like Dean's role mm-hmm. and it gets touched on so many times yeah <laughs> like, like this idea that like Dean is going to be the one to stop Lucifer because like up until this point he was told you're going to be the one to stop the apocalypse but that was the lie because they wanted yeah. the apocalypse to happen. Yeah. But he is going to stop the apocalypse, but it's not so much stopping it as ending it. Yeah. 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 So it's like it's key. that interpretation, which yeah. is like, obviously, like, this is the thing about the angels. It's like, they don't really lie. They, they lie just, by omission. Yeah. Like, it's not an outright lie. It's just, we're going to give you enough information that you're going to draw your own conclusions kind of lie. Yeah. And then you've got... Your next painting, The Last Judgment. This is where they're kind of talking about the role of Sam and the role of Dean. It's kind of like the parallel through the entire episode is that Dean has this whole prophecy and Sam is kind of, I don't know, destined to... I don't know what the word is. Like, he's kind of going on the dark end. Yeah, like, there is a prophecy that includes both of their roles, basically. Yeah, but they're, like, opposite roles. Yeah, and so, basically, at the top of the painting, you've got Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then on either side, you've got St. John and Mary, um, (laughs) which I find (laughs) hilarious. And then, basically, at the bottom, you've got um, a bunch of souls. And you've got St. John and Mary who are begging for the soul's, like, salvation. That's so Um, interesting. Yeah. And on one side of the painting, so probably, like... John's side or the Mary side? So on the Mary side, Uh you've got, which is, like, one quarter of the painting, you've got all the saints being led into heaven. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the painting, you've got all the sinners being led into hell and being tortured. On John's side? On John's side. Of the painting. (laughs) Like yeah. someone in the set design was having the time of their motherfucking yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's actually really interesting because, obviously, like, I was going to bring it up later, but the convent that they talk about in the episode that we see Azazel at and that Sam, Ruby, Lilith and Dean end up in is St. Mary's convent, which mm. I was like, well, that seems intentional. Yeah. You know, like, they didn't just pick that name from nowhere. Yeah. So the fact that not only was it St. Mary's convent, but we also had... A image that not only depicted Saint Mary but also Saint John. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess it also like parallels like the prophecy of Dean is going into like the salvation and he's being promised. Dean all is of Mary these... coded and Sam is John yeah. coded. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's like they listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, one of the last paintings that you've got is where Cass is kind of telling Dean that he and Sam are going to be at peace if they, like, carry out Heaven's plan. And Dean is kind of like, I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. And painting is called Hell. Um, and it's a bunch of, I think they're demons being tortured. Um, and it's really kind of gruesome. Dean kind of, like, glances up at this painting mm-hmm. as Cass is trying to tell him that they're going to be saved. Because Dean doesn't believe that. Mm-hmm. Because he's mm-hmm. like... Well, Zachariah has kind of shown me that he doesn't care mm-hmm. what happens to us. He's just trying to meet his, like, end goal. Yeah. So, they're the paintings. Amazing. And, yeah. Thank you yes. for this artistic deep yes. dive. Yes, they, they <laughs> definitely, they, they do mean things. Crazy. Which, 
I know. There's a level of intentionality that I never thought Supernatural would be able to do. <laughs> yeah. It's like that fucking thing again where it's like that set design thing where it says, you read too much into this, and it's like, okay, well then stop making it fucking interesting then. <laughs> like, if you don't want people to draw conclusions and make connections and read into stuff, then like, If the set design is it. just set design and not easter eggs towards what it's actually happening yeah why the fuck do you keep on putting in easter eggs that are hints as to what's happening yeah why doesn't it just look like a normal room why did you put paintings in there yeah, yeah. exactly because they have symbolic meaning like, here's the thing they did not have to make the beautiful room no they could have just trapped dean in a motel they could have put dean anywhere they could have put him in an empty field they, but they well, chose they to do this yeah they chose to put so much art on the walls as well mm-hmm. And, like, they didn't just choose, like, abstract art or anything like that. No. They chose intentional art and, like, art, like you pointed out, that mm. changes. Yeah. Like, it, as soon as we get the reveal from Zachariah, everything it, shifts. We lose yeah. the rose-coloured glasses as the audience and everything gets desaturated again. The art completely changes. Mm. Like you say, it goes from, like, the soft pinks and greens and blues to this, like, intense reds and yeah. oranges and, like, obviously the subject matter also changes significantly. Yeah, yeah I think it's also cool that they kind of place the paintings behind the characters yeah because it kind of shows what the character is thinking or like their intent it is very fascinating yeah if it wasn't intentional why did it change it's sort of the key really for this one it's like if you were just sticking art in a room to make it like the beautiful room or whatever to make Mm -hmm. it like you know meant to be like peaceful and calming and like all of that sort of stuff why does it change when the actors drop if it's if it's just for decoration Mm -hmm. why does it change and the thing is like when Dean is first in the room, the idea is they're trying to distract him. They're trying to, like, make him comfortable. Like, they have the burgers that are his favourite from when he was 11, you yeah. know. And they have the beer, which actually I'm going to get into that in a minute. But, you know, and so if everything is designed to make Dean comfortable, mm. then, like, this room is not the kind of room that Dean Winchester would be comfortable in. Yeah. Like, we've seen in season three, uh, Red Sky at morning, and like he's put in the fancy suit, and he's like, "I'm uncomfortable, mm. and I don't know how to behave in this environment." And like, obviously, like you know, he would be able to act enough to get by, but that's not what's going to make him comfy. It's they could have they could have whacked him in like a dive bar or something. Like, yeah. What honestly, what they could have done is just remove Bobby from Bobby's house and just kept Dean where he already was. They could have done that, but they chose to put him in a room. They chose to design the set like this. Like, there's a fucking harp in there. Yeah. You know? Like, I was going to say about the harp, like, they use that as, like, the jail kind of. Mm, the bars. But, yeah. Yeah. I also, I remember when I was watching this, and I was like, oh, these burgers look really good. <laughs> like, I know, like, I know Dean's like, I'm not going to, you know, be swayed with by the angels, but, dude, I would be eating this burger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I actually do want to. Well, do the angels operate by fey laws? Oh, okay. See, he, this is what's interesting here, right? Because we've talked so much on this podcast about like Dean and food insecurity and blah blah blah. And Dean turns down the food, which like he fucking never turns down food. It's important when he does. But also by the end of the episode, like he's kind of given up and he goes to yeah. eat the food, and then, and then Cass break. stops him. Yeah. And so like, if you're thinking about it, like in the terms of the fey, like once you you know, get into it, you can't get out again. Yeah. That's really interesting. And, like, the fact that Cass is, like, do not give into it, do not give up, do not take the offering, you know, like, I think that's really interesting. Okay, okay, so, 
The use of beer in Supernatural is actually really interesting from a meta perspective as well. And I I know, <laughs> I know, you wouldn't think it. You wouldn't fucking think it, but it is. And, like, normally I don't bother, like, looking into this it. This is interesting from a meta perspective. It's never a reassuring thing to hear from out of Bethany's mouth. <laughs> okay, so I just, I had to look it up on Tumblr because there are so many things about this. There is a master post somewhere, but I couldn't find it. So... I just done a quick Google and just found the first like post that mentions what I want to talk about. It's based on an anonymous ask, but it was answered by uh, Mittens Morgul, who, if anyone doesn't know, is one of the like better known supernatural meta writers on Tumblr. Like they were really active, especially through the last few seasons. And I've had stuff of theirs that like, come up on my dash, so I know some of what they've had to say. But one of the things that they've talked about a lot is beers and what those different beers symbolize. To like very briefly discuss it. In this particular post they wrote, they have said things like El Sol, which is the beer that Dean is drinking in this episode. Are... It's also the one that Carmen's based on, isn't it? Yes. Like, yes, it is. Like the ad is yes. for El Sol built like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. From what is a motion that be? Yes. yes, that is exactly right. And is so relevant because it is only used within the context of reality being manipulated or someone in the scene is being lied to or controlled. So, like, there is no scene in the entire rest of the narrative where we see El Sol where it doesn't function as this specific sort of red flag. You will never see it, for example, as part of a scene that is otherwise a straightforward rendering of the truth. Like, if Dean's going to a bar just to sit down and talk to Sam through the details of the case, he's not ordering an El Sol. Like, yes. He will just order a different sort of beer. Like, so that's cool. Right. And so, like, their explanation goes on to say, the entire episode where the brand was introduced in canon is literally a false reality Dean's gin dream. And everyone thought he was always drunk and his girlfriend was a rendering of the model from the El Sol ad. So, like, it's all fake. Even the label and every ad poster for the beer in canon is called The Sun, but there is never a depiction of an actual sun associated with any of it. It's telling you it's the sun, but you can plainly see there is no sun. It is fake through and through. So, like, the fact that that is the beer that is used in this scene actually means something. Like, so much thought went into the set design of this one fucking room. Yeah. And it's just so interesting. And this is something that you can track through the rest of the show as well. But just the fact that they've used it in this scene, I really wanted to talk about it. Normally I don't because there are so many, like, they drink beer all the time. And so it's, like, hard to keep a track of all the different ones. But this one I definitely wanted to touch on. And I would recommend, if you're interested but you haven't seen the beer theories before, you should check it out because it is really interesting. That's cool. So much thought. I know. I know. It's crazy. Wish they could have applied that to the rest of the show. Yeah, right. Like, it's kind of like, you know how we had that joke about Shadow and it was like they used the entire lighting budget on that one fucking episode? Yeah. Yeah. It feels, yeah, the same. Okie dokies. So we've just spent so much time doing analysis on the whole set and everything. Did we have somewhere that we wanted to go with like the plot or a character thing? Um, I want to talk about Sam. Because we haven't really done that. I feel like Sam has, like, they really portray the younger sibling thing really well. Because for those of you who may have younger siblings, I feel like it's just this really annoying thing when you're the older sibling and you tell them that they are incorrect or they are wrong. And they're like, no, I'm not. I know more than you. And then they go and they do their own thing and they end up being wrong anyway. And I feel like Sam does this this whole, actually, probably the whole season, right? Yeah, and I was just like, oh, this is so annoying. And then I was thinking, so at the end of the episode, where Sam's like, oh my god, I was wrong? I was tricked? (laughs) What? 
I never saw that coming. And Dean is like there with him. I was like, oh, dude, if I was Dean, honestly, screw what Bobby said. I think I would just be so mad. I would just be like, no, like, I'm leaving. <laughs> like, he already Plot broke up. Mr. Dean walks he away. He already broke up with Cass. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I was 100% right. Yeah. The angels can't kill Sam. No. They physically can't because Sam has to be the one to kill Lilith. Yeah. So they cannot kill Sam. Yeah. So their threat is empty. Mm-hmm. Completely. Like, it is fully bogus and made up. Yeah. But it is also true of what you were saying about, like, the demons in back in season three being like, well, they've tried to welch on the deal, so why isn't Sam dead? And it's like, well, because they also wanted Sam alive. So, like, yes, you have been right this whole time about so, that. They couldn't, none, no one could kill Sam. The reason why they wanted, the demons wanted Dean dead and Sam alive is because if Dean is dead, the angels don't have their special little blobo to fight in the apocalypse. But also, Dean had to be in hell to start the apocalypse. Yeah. Which we now learn, like, the angels wanted That's why anyway. The angels didn't s- step in and save Dean mm-hmm. before he started the apocalypse. Yeah. That's why they waited. That's why they it took them so long to save Dean from hell. And this is like getting probably like a little bit ahead of myself, but like why they sent angels they considered disposable. Because like it didn't matter really if Dean got out. Because he'd done the bit that they yeah. needed him to do and it wasn't urgent that they get him out they just wanted him out before the apocalypse actually started Mm, mm -hmm. so that they had their their opposing yeah 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 and it also makes sense of why the angels were like we're going to frame it as like if you don't stop sam we're going to because that was not a threat that was a tool that they were using to drive a wedge between them exactly so i also want to talk about sam for a hot minute here's the thing I'm going to harken back to, was it episode 13 of the season, After School Special, where we were like, mm. Sam's like floppy hair, floppy morals. I, <laughs> that's come back with a vengeance. Because the demon who is like Lilith's like personal chef, I think is how they describe it. The floppy her. of the hair, the floppy of the morals. Exactly. Mm. Right? Dean has short hair. <laughs> Very strict Strong morals. morals. <laughs> and Zach has no hair. <laughs> Non-existent. <laughs> yeah. So basically... Sam has this, like, moment where they've got the demon that is Lilith's, like, chef who's been stealing the babies and they're torturing her for information. And basically Ruby's like, no, no, we can't kill her. We have to keep her because we're you're going to drink her, essentially. You're going to need the one final power-up before. Yeah, to juice up before you take on Lilith. And so they're like, okay. But then the demon, first of all, has a genius level tactic, like, decision, yeah. which is I'm going to go you know inside the subconscious and i'm gonna let the person take over because i'm gonna appeal to sam's morals right like i'm gonna make it harder for him to make this choice and then sam has like a whole fucking crisis and i'm like sweetie baby how is this different you like this has been the truth this entire time every single demon that you have drunk blood from or killed has been a person this is no different it's just that now you're being forced to look at it and Ruby even points this out. Like, she's like, how the fuck is this any different? And I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of on Ruby's side here. But also, Sam is like, well, can't we just get a different demon? I'm like, that doesn't change the morality of the decision you're making. It just makes it easier for you to choose it. Like, if you're going to make this horrific decision, you need to actually face the reality of the horrific decision you are choosing to make. Like, if you're not ready to look at it face value, 
then you need to reconsider it. The juice and below parallels are real here. Because mm. it's like one demon, one human woman okay. to save the world. Or yeah. And Sam chooses to sacrifice them, whereas Dean chooses to save them. I think the amount of... Obviously, I haven't watched Supernatural for a while, but I guess I can come from it from a fresh view. I don't know. (laughs) But, like, the amount of times that they, in this episode, they always keep killing the women. They Mm -hmm. started the episode killing women. They ended the episode killing women. (laughs) They slut shame the women. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, you can just, just, oh, mm-hmm. You know? Basically, women can't win. Either they're nuns or they're demons, and in both instances, we kill them. Cause, yeah. Yeah, like, because Ruby's dead now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I want to ask your thoughts on Ruby. I am so interested to know your final I mean, thoughts. I told you that she was manipulating him the entire time. Oh, yeah. I didn't spot that she was still working for Lilith. No, neither did I when I first yeah. watched. I thought that that was a, such a good, fun reveal that yeah. you find out that she has been working for Lilith this And the whole, whole idea is Lilith knew she had to die. Yeah. Lilith had accepted that. So Ruby was basically working to push Sam into a place where he would kill Lilith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, I love that it was, like, Ruby was technically still plotting to kill Lilith. Yeah. It's just that Lilith knew and wanted that. So it's just, I love this reveal. And also it's like this thing of, we had previously sort of looked at it as like divided camps of people who would follow Lilith Uh versus people who would follow Sam. Uh But the trick is people who are following Lilith will follow Sam because that is her idea. He is her successor. Yeah. She has decided... He is her successor. Like, that. Yeah. it is part of her plan that Sam kills her and then the demons follow Sam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love Ruby's monologue. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but that whole bit where she's talking to Sam and it's right before she, she dies, it makes me so happy when she is saying, I was the best of those sons of bitches, the most loyal, not even Alistair knew, only Lilith. You have to admit... I'm awesome. And she's right. Mm. Like, talk about a girl boss. Like, (laughs) she really encapsulated girl boss, gatekeep, and gaslight. And I love that for her. This scene is what made me love Ruby. Like, I was kind of eh about her, honestly. The first time I watched up until this point, I was like, yeah, she's a demon. She's interesting in the terms of, like, you know, she has this obviously, I mean, obviously, like, you're led to believe that she has a certain, like, morality or that she's, like, maybe more invested in humanity than the average demon or like however whatever but this scene this monologue is what made me be like oh i love her Mm. because she's so vindicated and she's like i am so fucking good no one knew only lilith only me i was that bitch like i just love it for her yeah Mm -hmm. i love the confidence yes (laughs) yeah and then they kill her yeah, of course they <laughs> fucking do. They're like, oh, we're going to make her really interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also find it funny that Sam is really, really, really easy to manipulate. Like, if you flip to the characters and you put Sam in Dean's position, Zachariah mm-hmm. wouldn't even have to freaking try. <laughs> because, literally... But here's he's... the thing, like, it would be so easy because Sam believes in angels and, like, yeah. he yeah. has faith and all that sort of stuff. They could have so easily used that if Sam was, like, their their yeah. Volvo, but unfortunately they <laughs> were Dean. Yeah. So, in the bit where he's kind of, like, hesitating because he can hear Dean 
at the door. I and love has, that scene. He's hesitating to kill Lilith. Mm. And then Lilith just has to goad him on a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he's she like, literally Dumb. just laughs at him and, and he's, he's like, oh, now you're dead. And he's like, man, yeah. security, insecurity is coming in. Yeah. <laughs> well, to kill. It reminds me of when he kills the crossroad demon and he gives the excuse because she was a smartass, I think it is. Yeah, exactly. But here's yeah. the thing. Like, Lilith specifically says, you turned yourself into a freak, a monster, and now you're not even going to bite. And, like, the yeah. use of freak, the use of monster... It's, yeah, it's like recurring. playing to his insecurities. Yeah, and... it's so specific. Yeah, like she really went for the kill. They can read him like literally. A book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Although here's the thing, right? Ruby also says, and it is written that the first demon will be the last seal. And I'm like, guys, maybe you should have fucking read up on the Bible. Like, maybe you should have checked this for all of the investigation they did into the seals and all the checking yeah. they did when like weird shit was happening. I'm like, did you not? up a list yeah did you not make a spreadsheet (laughs) like you could have just like you could have figured this out yeah like it would not have been do you know what i mean yeah (laughs) you really could have foiled them if you just did some fucking background reading the bible not why would they (laughs) (laughs) i was also gonna say sam's laptop must have a really good battery life because he just takes that wherever he goes and usually he doesn't have like a cord or electricity and I'm just thinking, you know, my laptop doesn't last that long. Like, where where is he charging it? If he's, like, driving around with Ruby... And mind you, this is, like, in 2009. Like, laptops were worse then. This is, know, this is the... This is the real question. we should be talking about. <laughs> and he doesn't even have, like, one of those, like, packs, those battery pack yeah. things. I don't even know they were invented back Look, then. I don't the, think they were a thing. Here's the yeah. thing. Convenience, convenience, convenience. <laughs> you are watching Supernatural. I... I've got to be honest, they really exhausted their brain power on the art. I don't think Look, they were thinking fair. about that's fair. laptop battery life. <laughs> but also, like, where he was, would he even have had Wi-Fi? Well, that's the thing about Sam. That There's, like, this fandom joke that Sam just has, like... <laughs> Does he have a Wi-Fi check? Did he get the COVID vaccine? <laughs> <laughs> there's, like, a fandom theory that, like, Sam just has, like, a magical innate ability as part of his powers that he just has access to Wi-Fi at all times. Did they have, like, data back then? They would have. I don't know anything about But it was very slow and very expensive. Okay, one other thing that I wanted to talk about with Sam is that we have a direct parallel to Mystery Spot again, which is in Mystery Spot, and I actually did ask you about this at the time of the episode, the spell that Bobby says is needed to kill the trickster, it requires, like, so much blood that it requires draining a whole person, basically. And Sam's like, all right, let's do it. And Bobby's whole thing is, I thought that you would stop at draining the life of an innocent person. And I asked you, do you think Sam would ever reach a point where he's that far off the deep end that he would do that? And you were like, no. Like, it's so far from where Sam is. And you were right. At that point. At that point. But I think it's so interesting that we get here and Sam has changed so much in that span of time. Like, if you think about season one Sam for, like, half a second and then think about season four finale Sam different fucking person like he's he's changed so much and his morals and things have shifted so far that he's almost unrecognizable i just i just wanted to point it out because it it is literally the exact thing from mystery spot like that Mm -hmm. is the exact progression that we had like he just it's the desperation of sam i don't get why his solution wasn't why don't we just find another demon and half drain each of them same amount of demon blood but you don't kill the host in either situation. Well, look, he wasn't a he wasn't a math student. No. <laughs> <laughs> he 
to be fair, he was neither am I. <laughs> or he could set up a like demon blood bank. Which his eyes are he his eyes are black, so yes. I'm assuming he's now fully demon. Well, that's... Or at least some sort of half demon hybrid thing that's kind of look. If they only did the five seasons and it ended with the five seasons, mm-hmm. I would I would assume that like there would be a chance that they'd leave Sam as a demon, mm-hmm. and that like at the end of the series he would still be a demon. But I'm assuming because it ran for fifteen, at some point they work out how to turn him into a human again. <laughs> Or Sam's just a freaky demon for the rest of time. I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> I think if, if Sam was a demon forever, that would make it a bit easy, wouldn't it? Because Sam could just do whatever he wanted because he'd be super powerful. That's true. And then he'd be who Ruby was pretending to be. Demon with morals. <laughs> floppy hair, floppy morals. <laughs> <laughs> the key is he's still got them. And like good old Zacky boy. <laughs> Zacky boy. <laughs> What is it that Dean says? The sweet life of Zack and Cass. Yeah. Which I love that he makes that joke and then they make a point out of them both being like, what the <laughs> fuck is he talking about? <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still really kind of, like, Zack is the funniest me- member of the garrison. I don't know what the fuck Cass was on about about it being Uriel. Like, yeah. But that is fucking, like, one, wrong. One thing I, like, every time I watch this, I'm like, the dialogue sometimes really gets me because no one talks like a normal person. No, Dean is incomprehensible yeah. in any normal it's context. Like, it's like, if you were to do, like, a chart, Dean would be at the top of incomprehensible, like, yeah. pop culture references. Yeah. And then it kind of, like, just slowly trickles down throughout all the other characters. I think Sam is probably at the bottom. He's the most comprehensible? Well, Sam doesn't really... It's like a spectrum much, of incomprehensible, but it doesn't mm-hmm. go from most comprehensible to least comprehensible. Yeah. It's like, how comprehensible are you in different ways? Yeah. It's like, incomprehensible because of pop culture references. Incomprehensible because of law references. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you've got you've got Ruby making High School Musical references. Ruby's like, down with the kids. I would say that Zachariah is probably out of the angels making yeah the most like kind of pop culturey kind of references. Mm-hmm. But it's pop culture but... to them, so it's like the Bible. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> sure if they did that. While we are talking about Zach and Cass again, I do want to just touch on the part where Dean wants to talk to Cass, right? And Cass, like, shows up. But he shows up as Dean is, like, literally just going, huh, and, like, tipping an angel statue off of the little pedestal, and it smashes on the ground, and he just kind of watches it happen, and then it cuts to Cass, who's just watched him do this, and he's like, you wanted to see me, and then Dean does the whole, like, oh, what? That must have been like that the whole time. I don't know what you're talking about. Cat behavior. Yes, Dean Winchester, actual cat. (laughs) But I do think that that is fascinating. Like he literally tipped the angel off the pedestal, and then they have the funniest little like petty bickering back and forth where Dean's like, "I want to like do this thing," and Cass is like, "You're not allowed to do that," and he's like, "Okay, what about this thing?" No, you're not allowed to do that. I just think it's it's very fun. I think it's funny to think about. So when Dean tips the statue off. And it broke, and then he saw Cass. Like, mm-hmm. what was going through his head? Mm. Like, was he like, oh my god, I like, I hope he doesn't hate me? Because <laughs> he was very, like, you know, like, if it was Zachariah, he wouldn't care. Actually, that's a good point. Because it was Cass, he felt <laughs> bad. He was like, I hope I didn't hurt his feelings. <laughs> I, look, I'm kind of... Obviously, like, sorry, this is derailing again. Not Obviously, time. like, the last seal that needed to break was Lilith dying. Mm-hmm. 
Does that mean that the only time they possibly could have killed Lilith was before all the other seals were broken? If Lilith died before all the seals were broken, would that, like, would they, would it still hold? So I think because the prophecy, because, like, the concept is that the prophecy cannot be changed. changed. And so the idea is, like, that it was always going to play out like this. Lilith was always going to be the final seal. And that makes sense because for her plan to work or for all of their plans to work, really, if she died early, then there's no one to really lead the demons correctly, I suppose. Like, no one really knows the full plan except Lilith and Ruby. And people aren't going to, like, they're not going to listen to Ruby. Because what the fuck does she know, right? Ruby's been a traitor now for how long? Exactly. Um, so he probably would have defaulted to, like, Alistair or, like, because Azazel's also dead. And he didn't know the full plan. So, yeah, I suppose if they were actually going to stop Lucifer from being freed, it would have required killing Lilith at any point before this. And it just happens that, obviously, because Ruby was the one feeding Sam the information about the demon stuff. Of course she wasn't going to feed Sam any information about how to kill Lilith before it was the right time to kill Lilith. Exactly. And, like, it also makes sense now, like, every time that Sam was like, well, let's go get her, and Ruby was like, no, you're not ready, was less about Sam not being ready, like he wasn't, but also about it's not time yet, because she's also running for Lilith. But it also becomes, like, the one time that Cass tried to warn Dean... Like, one time that the angels were going to give them the correct information was the time that Cass got whipped back to Bible camp, as Dean would say. Yeah. So it's very much like everything is playing into this being the way oh, no, that it I, runs. Yeah. I'm not I'm not sort of saying, like, I understand exactly why now is when they finally basically mm. let him kill Lilith. My question is, if he had managed to, like, work around Ruby or anything before all of the seals are broken, would that mean that the apocalypse couldn't happen? Because... Lilith was not dead at the right time, or yeah, I think maybe because like the whole the prophecy is that the final seal will be yeah. broken, and the issue is once all the seals are broken, there is no way to kill Lilith without starting the apocalypse. Yeah, so like once the first sixty five were broken, at any yeah. like Lilith dying at any point after that would have started the apocalypse. Yeah. Although I do think that it had to be, I do think it had to be Sam that killed her. Like that's kind of the implication that we yeah. get because. We finally get background into Azazel's baby blood experiments. Which, <laughs> I'm sorry, but they they said generations. This proves there were no fucking generations. I know. That's why when you really harped on about the generations, I was like, I'm going to put her out of her misery. Because it really... Like, they, is... li- they literally canonically contradict that. Like, he only started on this voyage... In 1972. We see in 1972, 1973, when we see in the beginning... Mm-hmm. That's why he's going around making all the deals there. Mm-hmm. Which I still don't understand why the deals are necessary. Like, I, I don't know, like, man. It just... <laughs> it's supernatural. I don't know what to tell We've talked about this so many times. I don't know what to tell you. It's just plot, 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 convenience, convenience, blah, blah, blah. They wanted to make deals because they wanted Mary to make a deal. Whatever. Yeah. Yes. So we finally know why they wanted the special children. And it was because we needed a special child who was going to be capable of killing Lilith so that Lucifer could get right. us. Yeah. Yeah. So we finally have the background to Azazel's demon, monster, baby, Hunger Games experiment. <laughs> he didn't need to do all that. He really didn't. Like, that. so much of this was unnecessary. Maybe he's just dramatic. Yeah, maybe he was just enjoying it. You're allowed to enjoy your work, you know. And I mean, I guess if you've been alive for a while, you probably get bored. Yeah, he's spicing it up. <laughs> maybe he hates children. Just, like, <laughs> Like, don't get me wrong, it makes sense, but it also just very much feels like the writers were kind of like, 
oh fuck, we have to fix this in somehow. Well, I mean, that's literally what yeah. happened. Like, that's exactly <laughs> what they had to do. They were like, wow, we have this plot line that we had to sort of like completely rejig, better find a way to squeeze it into the new one. That's literally yeah. what happened. So it's not really surprising that it feels like that. But I honestly, like, considering what they had to work with, I think that they are. It, like, it's it makes fine. sense. Like, it's fine. It's nice that we they did address it. Because they didn't actually have to at this point. Like, that, Azazel's been dead since fucking season two. Like, we didn't need this. But it's nice that they did put it in, like, oh, there was a point to that. Like, it might not be the most satisfying point just because of the way that it all went down. But I think that it's good that they did address it. It, like, it makes sense. Like, it's yeah. Fine. It just, it does very much feel kind of like, oh, well, I guess we kind of have to, like, shoehorn this in somewhere. I do love that he says that kingdom come, blah, blah, blah. Because it really, I don't know, it just I was, was I was going to say that that line felt like me in school. Yeah. <laughs> like, Beth and I went to private school where they teach you about Religion. God and the Bible and all that. And... Yeah, I went to I public like, school where you just learn how to get your ass beat on the oval and to smoke behind the gym. <laughs> you learn life skills. <laughs> but yes, no, it also made me think about, like, chapel. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just sitting there like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Like, all right, we get it. Jesus died for our sins. Cool, cool. They're really, like, laying on the whole we don't give a shit about Christianity kind of thing. But, like, also, here's a show about Christianity, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we want to use the aesthetic, but we don't want to use yeah, the law. Yeah, literally. And look, I don't blame them for that. I do think it's really interesting, though, that they sort of make it that, like, basically, heaven starts the apocalypse, and then hell is the thing that actually starts the... Like, if that makes sense, like, the process of starting the apocalypse starts with heaven, essentially, with Dean, Mm -hmm. and then it, like, actually comes to fruition with hell, with Sam. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that it requires cooperation between the two. Like, yeah. If one side wasn't on board, and like Zach actually makes the point, he's like, you think we would have let all these seals fall if we didn't want this to happen? Like you really thought that we were just that shitty at our job? You know, and so I think that's, yeah, it's interesting. Like they both have to want it for it to be possible. I also kind of want to talk about the conversation between Dean and Cass where Dean points out, he's like, destiny, God's plan. It's all a bunch of lies. You poor stupid son of a bitch. People are real. Families are real. That's going to come back later. The concept of like, what is real? And then Cass says, what is so worth saving? I see nothing but pain here. I see inside you. I see your guilt, your anger, your confusion. And then Dean says, I'll take the pain. I'll take the guilt. It's simple, Cass. No more crap about being a good soldier. There is a right and a wrong here and you know it. And I think it's really interesting when you take into context the conversations from the mid-season finales with Anna and like the reasons that she wanted to fall and like what she loved about humanity is the fact that there was pain and anger and confusion and everything wasn't just perfect and unfeeling and cold all the time but also the concept that it's not about being a good soldier it is about choosing what is right and I think that that is so relevant not just to Cass but also to Dean in terms of John. I also kind of felt when Cass was saying that to Dean I was like I feel like Cass is kind of projecting a little bit Mm-hmm. Like that guilt and that anger, anger and the confusion. confusion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and considering, like, at the end of that episode, Cass decides to, you know, help Rebel. Dean. Yeah. So I'm like, Cass, I think what you're actually seeing is your own feelings. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I look inside you and what I see is a mirror. Yeah. Yeah, genuinely. And also, like, at the end of that conversation, Dean says, like, if there was anything worth dying for, this is it. 
And then Cass is like still sort of like on the fence. And he says, what do you care about dying? You're already dead. Mm. And it's this concept of like, you're already like, you're so far gone. You know, if you can't see the right and wrong here, then I give up basically, which is kind of the same thing that he did with Sam. Yeah. In a different way, I suppose. Yeah. Like he, the parallels. Mm -hmm. I think it's so funny because I think Dean is just fed up and I feel like it must be be (laughs) so frustrating to be in his position because it kind of feels like he's the only one with morals Mm. and he's like trying to both convince Cass and Sam, like two people who are kind of meant to be close to him. Mm. To do the right thing. And it, like, seems obvious what the right thing is, but they're both kind of straying. On opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're both kind of being manipulated. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, and so it must be so frustrating for Dean to essentially be in the middle of it. And, mm. like, he's just kind of given up. He's like, I, I don't want to have this conversation anymore. Like, <laughs> I'm so sick of trying to convince you that there is a moral path here and yeah. neither of you want to take it. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's also frustrating because, like, Cass came so close. Yeah. And, like, then he knows that Cass, like, essentially got rebooted. Like, he knows that something happened and, like, Cass sort of, And like, also it wasn't Cass's choice to... Unlike Sam, where it's, like, Dean was like, Sam, what you're doing is sketchy as hell. Maybe perhaps reconsider what you're doing. Yeah. And then Sam was like, yeah, no, I'm going to let Ruby manipulate me. Sam again. was like, I'm going to double down. Yeah. Whereas Cass was like slowly 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 and then someone else picked him up and whacked him back down on the path like yeah exactly it's kind of like i think was it in the last episode that dean says to him like you used to be human or you at least used to act like it and like this whole concept of dean associates like humanity with free will because like he talks about sam not being human while he's like being manipulated and corrupted and like whatnot and also Cass, he talks about not acting like a human when he is conforming to heaven's conditioning. Yeah. So, like, the concept of free will and humanity are so deeply intertwined. And, like, the fact that this whole time Dean has kind of been able to see through both, like, arguments, like, and the Mm -hmm. fact that, like, Dean is so representative of humanity and of Earth through the whole series. And so, like, it's interesting that he kind of falls in the middle like with that painting where like he's like he can see the trap yeah. coming yeah. and like he's got the blindfold on but he's looking around it yeah basically he can see the bullshit <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah his bullshit radar is going ding 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 yeah. ding 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 because yeah because everyone just kind of acts like he doesn't know what's going on mm. and that he can be manipulated well, but I think he's, he's stupid yeah but he's like so much smarter mm-hmm. you know Oh, I do want to say that I did hear the line making it up as we go. Mm. And it like clicked for me why there is a podcast called that. <laughs> I was like, hey, it's a podcast name. Mm-hmm. I recognize that. That scene was so gay. <laughs> Honestly, I have seen arguments from people about like that being the moment that Dean like was first like, oh, he- hello. Yeah, because like the way he looks at him, I don't know how to describe it, but mm-hmm. it's just very... Yeah, like Cass says, like, well, like, we're making it up as we go, and Dean kind of, like, looks up, I and it's he's like, like he's seeing him for the first time. Yeah, and I feel like, I don't know, it's it's the it's the facial journey. Mm. It's like thinking of the time when he, like, knocked over the angel statue. <laughs> and he's then, like, let me remember three minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, and then think of the time when he looks at Cass, when Cass is like, no, 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 I'll deal with this. I don't know, he's just, the way he's like, it's just very gay. Mm. Also remembering that Cass did rehymenate him. Did <laughs> <Jesus>. what? <laughs> Is it better that I don't know? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably more entertaining if you oh, don't. Oh, cool. <laughs> no, it's like the concept of like when Dean got raised 
from hell like he didn't have any of his old scars or anything and so he, there's a line where he says to Sam like I'm like I'm rehymenated like I've been completely reset oh yeah like nice. yeah yeah <laughs> Jesus anyway. but it's funnier just to say it out of context yeah it's funnier to see your face oh okay cool in our non-visual format yeah <laughs> it's funnier for us yeah <laughs> Yes, and actually that, the line from, oh yeah, we had Chuck in this episode, which is very mm. fun. I love the line where he looks at them and he's like, this isn't supposed to happen. You guys aren't supposed to be here. Fucking thesis statement. And it comes back to Cass being like this constant wrench in the cogs that is, you know, the the narrative as it is supposed to be playing out. Cass, Cass is, is the only one not following the script. Cass is the only one who who just does not meet that expectation he's always the one who subverts the thing and it's so constant throughout the whole show so yeah that like moment is such a thesis statement especially coming from chuck who like at this point in the story is a prophet and he is supposed to know exactly what's going to happen and we've seen it in episodes like the monster at the end of this book where what he's written once it has been written that's just how it goes but this episode we see the computer glitching out Mm -hmm. it has been written so basically, the angels didn't really think about the fact that Cass would be swayed by his gay love for Dean. Yeah. They didn't <laughs> see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> gay love can pierce through the veil of death and save, save the, the day. day. <laughs> yes, it can. But yeah, actually, I'm so glad that you mentioned the computer glitching because if no one is, if anyone isn't sure what we're talking about, the moment where it's after Cass has said, like, go stop Sam. I'll hold them off. I'll hold them all off. Which, like, let's remind ourselves, this is Cass saying that he is going to stand in front of an archangel, previously described as heaven's most powerful weapon. Yeah. And he's like, I will take them on if it means that you, like, I buy you time to get to Sam. Yeah. And, I mean, Dean has literally just said to him, like, if there's anything worth dying for, this is it. And Cass clearly took that to heart. Yeah. And so he's standing there and he's saying he's going to do this. And it, oh, no, it, don't it, tell me this is the first time they try to kill off Cass. Well, I know they're not successful, but it will still make me sad. <laughs> At this point, he was only supposed to be in three episodes. He is like really past his expected shelf life at this yeah. point. AKA Misha moved into the set and then just refused to leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he's in the walls at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. He's not even scripted. He just walks on. <laughs> That's why Chuck's like, you're not supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm making it up as I fucking go. <laughs> They just put him in a trench coat and let him yeah. run wild on set. Misha is not acting. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like that. Yeah, exactly. So when you have the scene and you sort of, you're, the POV is from behind Chuck and Cass and hilariously Chuck like puts his hand on Cass's shoulder and Cass looks at him and he like slowly removes yeah, his hand, right? which is so funny, especially with like the later knowledge that like, that's his dad. <laughs> Daddy issues. <laughs> Then what you see is you see the computer screen, which previously had had, like, you know, the title of the show and, like, you know, Mm. that it was Lucifer Rising and, you know, it's what Chuck's been freaking out about. You see it flicker and and go out because Mm. that ending is no longer... It's being rewritten. The truth. Yeah, it's being actively rewritten. And it's not being rewritten by Chuck. It's Mm. being rewritten by Cass. Yes. And Dean to an extent. Like, at at this point, it will also go on to be rewritten by Sam... But not to the same extent because no. Sam didn't make the defining choice. Cass made the defining yeah, the choice. The only reason that Sam and Dean have any power to rewrite any of this shit is because of Cass. Yes. 
Yeah. So Otherwise, everything would have been played out exactly as it was meant to play out. Yeah, like Cass is the deciding factor. And it's so interesting. And we are going to come back to this so many times. Cass was the one who event like ultimately diverts from the plan, allowing Sam and Dean to divert from the plan. Mm. I also love that when Cass appears in the beautiful room, they have he like puts Dean against the wall with his hand over his mouth. Dean's so immediate kinky. Dean's immediate reaction is to look at his lips when I'm like, interesting. Yeah. The jacking choices there are fascinating, but also they have an entire conversation in like three seconds of eye literally, contact. Literally. And I'm like, I love that for you. And doesn't Dean do a little nod or something? Yeah. 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 Cass is basically like, don't fucking talk. And Dean's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so kinky though. <laughs> You guys just broke up like three seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, look, speedy turnaround. <laughs> oh, I do really want to just quickly mention the portal to hell that Lucifer rises through. Mm-hmm. The the graphic design and special effects is janky as hell. Graphic design is my passion. To be fair, not that bad. For the time we've seen worse. Yes, we've seen worse. I'm not like, oh my god, this is the worst thing I've ever seen about it. It reminds um, me a little bit of the pilot. And the woman in white oh, when she gets... Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I see what you're like, saying. similar vibes. Yeah. Yeah, I always wonder if they've got a giant, like, light shining on their faces. No, they just use flashlights. Yeah. They just lose a little pocket torch. That's <laughs> <laughs> Because they always, they only focus on the faces lit up. Mm. And then they focus on the special effects. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I always think of that. And actually, right off of that... One line that I really like in this scene is Ruby when she says, you didn't need the feather to fly. You had it in you the whole time, Dumbo. Right? I love that line. Something about the delivery, I just find it so satisfying. I think it's from that moment on, she kind of starts... Dying? No. I was trying (laughs) to think of like the way she's acting is very like passive aggressive affectionate. She's like, she's like, this guy's an idiot. She's he's my idiot. (laughs) She's like manipulating him, but like, she's acting very kind of affectionate towards Mm. him. Um, It's it's like condescending almost. Yeah. 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 Also, it's another another one of Ruby's like pop culture references. She's obviously seen Dumbo and (laughs) High School Musical. Not the movies I would have expected her to be watching in her downtime while she was letting Sam, like, freak out about not having demon blood. Like, I love this idea that Sam is, like, desperately calling her going, Ruby, I need another hit. (laughs) And she's like, not right now, I'm watching Dumbo. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it's just so funny to me because, like, no one speaks like that. I haven't, I don't think I've met anyone who just makes random pop culture references in their day-to-day life. I mean, I guess you maybe with you. Me. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about Supernatural, but... Like, yeah, that's not pop culture. What? <laughs> yeah, but, like, you don't, like... I mean, she does make references to the references in Supernatural, so... True. It's very meta. Wow. The layers. Um, <laughs> You're I, the exception. <laughs> yeah, she's sort of treating him like... That kid that you babysit that's kind yeah. of dumb as hell, but you're, like, you're, you're kind of low-key proud of them as well. They're like six. Yeah. And they've just finally learned to like... Count or something. Count or yeah. something. And I like, guess, like, because I'm just trying to figure out what she's trying to gain, because she's already got what she wants from him. I guess she's got nothing to lose, so she's just making so, fun of him because she can. But it's also like, I feel like Sam is now in this state of like, I've really fucked up. And also Sam's I'm, about to become like really fucking important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, Ruby's here like coddling him essentially. Trying to do like a, at least a little bit of damage control but in the most condescending way possible. She's like, let me fucking humble you for a moment. Like I realise that you just killed Lilith but let me remind you that you're yeah. a dumbass. 
like she I think she's on that like power trip at that yeah. time where she's like I'm so smart and you're so dumb I can't believe you fell for this mm-hmm. kind of thing I really love the effect where they've got Dean trying to get through to Sam and Ruby's like screaming and like Lilith yeah. is making fun of him and there's like the heartbeat the pounding yeah. I usually really dislike slow-mo in a lot of shows mm. I actually love this scene I yeah. think it was really well done I think it very well encapsulates Sam's disorientation and like the sensory overload that he is experiencing. Yeah. And I think it makes sense. Like, I think it lends itself to his decision to continue and kill Lilith. It's a slow mo that actually adds to the vibe and then doesn't just make you think, oh wow, this is overkill. Yeah. 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 I really think it was a very apt use. I also think it's cool because, like, the scene starts and, like, you hear a voice in the background, but you're not entirely sure who it is. Mm. And then, like, as it goes on, you're like, oh, that's Dean. Yeah, and, then and that's like the then. exact same thing that Sam's going through. He's mm-hmm. like, what, who, what, what's mm-hmm. going on? Mm-hmm. One last thing that I wanted to touch on is at the very end of the episode when, like, you see that, like, Lucifer is, like, coming out of the ground and, you know, Sam and Dean are, like, grabbing each other's jackets, like, kind of freaking out, like, what do we even do? And Sam just has this little, I'm sorry. And I'm like, if I was Dean, I'd lose my shit. I'd be like, I think you're going to need a little bit fucking more than I'm sorry right now. Because, like, that's, like, what I was saying earlier is, like, if I was Dean, I would just be so angry Mm. with Sam. I mean, I guess they've got a lot on their minds. Like, bigger fish to fry in that moment, you know? Less. Yeah. There's a, a higher I, concern about Lucifer in general than, like, just, I'm pissed at Sam. I know. I feel like, like, once they get over the current events mm. like there's going to be some kind of fallout I love that you like, say this as if you haven't I seen don't remember show. it so <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember anything that's happened <laughs> I find it really funny though that like Azazel's entire plan was essentially get Lilith out of hell mm-hmm. and then Lilith's entire plan was get Lucifer out of hell yeah. and there's like what's Lucifer's like goal like he's <laughs> trying to get out of hell now like is it just like what about what Lucifer wants? <laughs> Has anyone I, ever asked Lucifer? <laughs> like, it's it's just like, we've already had two, like, like they're just like building up. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're trying to get them, and then they're trying to get them, and then, so who's Lucifer trying to get out of hell now? <laughs> yeah, right? And also, I love, I love your comment being like, has anyone ever asked Lucifer what Lucifer wants? Because that's so <laughs> Sam-coded. <laughs> like, in like, after school special, when Sam's like, no one's ever asked me what I want. <laughs> Oh god! Is <laughs> <laughs> oh god! It's yeah. yeah. I feel like at this point, like Sam was kind of designed just specifically for Lucifer. Mm. Well, those special children were designed yeah. to come to this end, like for yeah. this purpose. So, like in a sense, yeah, like like. And the other thing is, we've been talking about like Azazel's plan and Lilith's plan. This entire time, it's actually been Lucifer's plan. Those two have just been the people on the surface able to act it out because, like. Azazel only created the special children because Lucifer told him to. Because of, like, he killed the nuns to speak to Lucifer. So, like, actually this entire time, it's been Lucifer running the running everything. Yeah. It's just that you don't know that until this point. And yeah. it's only just happening now because Azazel finally found Lucifer. Yeah, exactly. Like, that was, like, 72 is when all of this started. Because up till then, Azazel had just been looking for Lucifer. Mm-hmm. And then he finally found the gate and was able to talk to Lucifer. And Lucifer basically just... Lucifer did that thing where it was like, I don't know, ask your mum. Yeah, literally. Like, I can't tell you. Find Lilith. She'll know what to do. Like, <laughs> That's so funny. I also kind of love this like concept where like Azazel's like, I worked so hard to find you and I like did all this thing. And he's like, what is the answer? Like, how do I get you out? And he's like, 
Lilith. Like, it's like, I don't care that you went through all this effort and whatever. Like, no, no, no. Like, fuck you, though. Like, just get Lilith. Like, Lilith can do it. Like, I don't need you. <laughs> just, just get Lilith out. She'll handle the rest. Genuinely. And I mean, to be fair. That's she like, did. They did it. They got there. I do have two tie points, but they're just lines. They're just yeah. lines. Just want to do a quick shout out to the saddest little Hello Dean. Yes, I had that <laughs> in my notes and I just said, Hello Dean, sad face. Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely, like, it's just, like, every time we see Cash is about, he's like, Hello Dean, but like, this was just Hello Dean's sad edition. <laughs> yeah. And also, I wanted to touch on the Mirror of a Million Zacharias. Which I just enjoy. Yeah, where he's like standing up and there's the He actually he actually sits down yeah. and like he's next to the mirrors, but the mirrors are facing each other, so like it does that effect where it's like reflections of reflections. And I just think that's really interesting because it's a fun way for them to visually depict the enormity of angels without yeah. actually showing like a special effect angel yeah. outside of a vessel. So I just think it's like fascinating. And also like the multifaceted like side of like you know like angels. how many sides does Zachariah have to him? Yeah, literally. <laughs> like, like how complex can we make him? Also, just like the the very obvious like smoke and mirrors sort of yeah like, yeah exactly. deception and like hiding the actual truth and like mm-hmm. yeah like what is the truth in thousand Zacharias yeah. and also like the concept of like angels as they're actually described having like a thousand eyes and like all these things like so it's a way of like giving him more more body parts and like yeah. disfiguring him without disfiguring him and it's also like an optical illusion which is similar to the entirety of the beautiful room yeah so i just wanted to touch on that very briefly because i just enjoy that, that a lot cool. okay so that brings us to the end of today's episode jamie how would you rate season four episode 22 lucifer rising out of five I think I'm going to give it a three and a half. Like, it was solid. I was vibing. But, like, at the end of the day, like, it's not the sort of episode that I normally gravitate towards. It's fun, though. We got some answers. Definitely was not the worst season finale we've seen. Cool. Would you like to give us a rating? Sure. I would probably give it a four because deep diving into set design Mm. was cool. Mm. And I think they put a lot of thought into this. So you're basically giving him a participation trophy. (laughs) No! I'm not giving him a participation. (laughs) <laughs> no i think it was really cool to like like see what their thought process was and like yeah. all of the like meaning behind everything that they put into it it's great and, like, to see that occasionally the, they do think about yeah, it yeah and like yeah. the parallels between sam and dean and yeah i think it's cool and also cast being a little a sad baby and also a little rebellious teenager i enjoyed that he has so many so many angles and the hamburgers look really good and i really want a hamburger Maybe we'll go out for lunch after. Oh, yeah. We'll go, we'll go, we'll go through the Macca's drive-thru. <laughs> it will not live up to yeah. the expectation. They were like, they're really well-proportioned hamburgers, you mm-hmm. know? Like, mm-hmm. they're just... But also, yeah. okay, this, again, I need to make another point. But how much fucking beer and burgers did they think they needed to give Dean? But how it's that fucking meme that's like, how much could one banana cost? Ten dollars? Literally, I was thinking like, about NASA being like, how many tampons do you need? Is a hundred enough? <laughs> Do angels not know how much humans need to eat? Like, Probably I know not. Dean eats a lot, but he does not eat that much. <laughs> and also, how long were they keeping him in that room? <laughs> Maybe their plan was to get Dean drunk and in a food coma so that they could easily manipulate him. I feel like they don't need to do that to manipulate Dean. Like, they're doing it already. Yeah. But they're not, because Dean knows what they're doing. Yeah, but see, the, the idea that Dean knows what they're doing might just be another manipulation. Oh, God. Because uh, 
<laughs> this is like, you know when people like do reverse psychology and then they're like, you know, reverse. I'm like, I've lost track three, you know, reverses ago. I don't know who knows what anymore. <laughs> no, but it's like that idea of like, so like it's they, easier to manipulate someone if they think they know it all or right. if they think they've already... Which is exactly how Ruby manipulated Sam. Yeah. I would argue, though, that Ruby think, is way better at it than the angels. I think Zachariah didn't do that because I think he laid it on too thick. Like, I think once the room changed and you got all the demons, I think Zachariah was like, I'm really going to try and sell you on this. You'll have 72 slots. Yes. Like, or 72 versions or whatever two it was. Two versions and 70 slots. Yeah. Mm. Thing. Important ratio. Because they're always like, Dean really likes food, beer, and sex. Anyway, I was trying to wrap that up. Yeah. <laughs> Next I ep- mean, that's the vibe for the yeah. <laughs> Next episode is titled Sympathy for the Devil. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, predictions, fears, hopes, dreams? Because it's also obviously the first episode yeah. of season five. Okay, so I think we're going to meet Lucifer, obviously. They've okay. just put him out of hell. Mm-hmm. Great. And I think he's going to be like a poor little meow meow. You know what I mean? <laughs> Okay, love that. <laughs> and so it's like, I think it's definitely going to be like, he's trying to convince Sam and Dean, but Sam especially, of like his plight, of like, he was unjustly thrown out of heaven mm-hmm. and all of this sort of stuff. And he's trying to get Sam on his team because like, mind you, Sam was, like they specifically designed Sam to be powerful enough to kill Lilith. Mm-hmm. So like, I think if anyone's going to be a genuine threat to Lucifer, mm-hmm. it's going to be Sam. Also, what's interesting, and we didn't touch on this, you mentioned, obviously, that Sam ends up with, like, black eyes in this episode, but we know that the way that demons originated, like, Lilith being the first demon, was a human soul that Lucifer corrupted to become a demon. So Sam, obviously, human, who has been corrupted and now presents with the black eyes. So it's, like, a really... It's, well, you mentioned before, like, you know, that she set him up to be her successor. And I think that that's also, like, a really interesting tie-in. So there's obviously, like, all of this going on. It's the season opener, so I doubt they're going to do, like, a normal salt and burn with, like, plot in the background. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be more plot-heavy than yeah. than uh, than is normal. Can you imagine if they literally did that? If they were like, <laughs> anyway, so let's go hunt a vampire now. <laughs> <laughs> but the vampire they're hunting is Sam. Um, <laughs> but no, so I think, yeah, I think that it's going to be sort of, like, the aftermath of all of this. And I think there are, like... Lucifer specifically is going to be trying to get Sam on his side because mm-hmm. I think that for the wall coming up like he has almost no hope of getting Dean on his side because Dean's already pledged his allegiance to the angels yeah so I don't think there's much of a point of him trying to like woo Dean woo Dean but I think he definitely needs like the support of Sam and I think also Sam might just be like a really convenient meat suit for him because like I don't know if he'll need the vessel or not but well that's a really interesting like concept like the concept of vessels and angels and stuff and so we'll we'll get into that once we get into the new season the other question i have for you is do you think Cass will be in next episode okay controversial opinion mm. i don't think he will mm. i think they're gonna frame i think this is the first time they try to kill off Cass, mm-hmm. and they're gonna frame it as the archangel killed Cass. okay mm. cool. or in prison cast or whatever and that's why Cass isn't there all right interesting we'll find out i suppose So that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to all of our incoherent rambling. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you wanted to get in touch with us for any reason, you can always hit us up on any of our socials. All of the links will be in the description below, as will some sort of link to Naomi's PowerPoint. So if you wanted to have a look at the images and her descriptions, that'll all be down there as well. And next episode, obviously, we are going to do our 
between seasons, sort of look back at season four and pre-thoughts for season five. So look forward to that. If you wanted to reach out, some possible topics for conversation could include... How easy Sam was to manipulate. (laughs) (laughs) Poor little Meow Meow Cass. Other other names for uh, the Gaslight Room. Oh my god, yes. (laughs) Let's rebrand Heaven's Green Room. Or... Any of the stuff that Naomi talked about the art. Was that yeah. something that you have thought about before? Or have you heard any other interpretations? Is the Rococo era your favourite slut era of art? Like... <laughs> it's certainly mine. I really love naked women. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> bye! bye.